Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, to each and every one, a blessed and a happy Father's Day. Last week, we began a message, or actually a series of messages, on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pick that up next week because uh, my, my staff has informed me that you will speak on Father's, on Father's Day. And, and, and I cannot remember, or cannot not remember, 2002. How many were here in 2002 on Father's Day? Yeah, you remember that message. Uh, I, I spoke on, is Allah the God of the Bible? The answer is no, but my mother was there. And she liked to kill me. She said, on Mother's Day, you are going to preach about mothers. And on Father's Day, you are going to preach about fathers. So, Mom, I know you're up there. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about men, husbands, and fathers. And I'd like to start uh, in the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, in the 18th chapter. But you really, to understand the 18th chapter, you need to know a little bit before that. Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve are in the garden. And the Bible says that God has put all things under their feet. They have authority. They have dominion. Satan comes and tempts Adam and Eve. And we say they sinned and they fell. And that is all true. But really what they did was they let the devil into the world. And he began to use their authority and was operating with their authority. And God was kind of like on the outside looking in. And God came to a man by the name of Abram. And he made a covenant with Abraham. He changed his name to Abraham, but he was Abram. And, and he said to him, he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a great nation. He said, you'll be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And really, the Bible is the story of God fulfilling the covenant that he made with Abraham. Now, Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. And that's why the Bible doesn't talk about Dutch people or Polish people or Chinese people or African people, particularly because it's the story of how God fulfills a promise, a covenant he made with Abraham to bless all the nations or all the people of the earth. God is talking with this, this man, Abram, and uh, this is what he says about him. For I know him in order that he may command his children in his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now, God says, I know him. I know some things about this man, and I know that he's going to command his children and his household after him. Now, now, notice it didn't just say he would be an example or he would make suggestions. It said he would command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Now, literally, the most important thing that you and I can do as parents, is pass our faith on to our children. And biblically, 
The father or the husband is the head of the home. Now, you can be a male and not a man. You can be married and not be a husband. You can be a breeder and not be a father. Lust, when it shows up, shows up with a condom. When love shows up, love shows up with a ring, shows up with a commitment. Now, a man's supposed to love and lead. That's what a father is supposed to do. Love and lead. Did you know that today in this nation, 40% of children are born to a single parent? We, we have an attack, a spiritual attack on fatherhood. In 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 15, Paul said, Though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. And a father is present, a father provides, a father leads, and a father guides. In fact, in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8, it says, If anyone doesn't provide for his own, especially those of his own household, he's denied the faith and he is worse than an infidel. He said, your life is spiritually warped if you are not doing what you should do as a father. It's be present, it's provide, it's guide, and it's lead. Those are the things that a father is supposed to do. And notice how he says, you've even denied the faith. He says, you're worse than an unbeliever because your spiritual life is most important and begins at home. <laughs> That, that's where it, that, that is where it begins. That is where it's the most important. Listen, God appears to Moses in the beginning chapters of Exodus at the burning bush. And God says, I'm sending you to Egypt. And he says, I don't want to go. And God says, well, we're gonna, you're going to go and you're going to deliver people. And, and uh, Moses actually said, he said, God, that's a great idea. You should send by anybody except me. And then finally, God convinces him and he says, OK, I'm going to go. Now, listen to this. This is Exodus 4. Now, it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met Moses and the Lord sought to kill him. How many knew that was in the Bible? The Lord sought to kill Moses. And then Zipporah, that's his wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, surely you're a husband of blood to me. Now, here's the deal. Moses is going to deliver God's covenant people. And the sign of the covenant is circumcision. And he has not circumcised his own children. He doesn't even have his own family in line. And he's going to deliver the God's people, God's covenant people. And God says, look, you need to get your own house in order. In Psalms 101, it says this, I will try to walk a blameless path, but how I need your help. How many of you will just say, I need God's help? Especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. Where does your spiritual life start? It starts at home. And, and by the way, if it's not working at home, don't export. Because the real thing is working at home. That's where it starts. And, and uh, I just want to say this to, to every single mother that's here. That, that we love you, we appreciate you, and do not think, well, there's not a, 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 a husband in my home and it's just hopeless because that is not true. Amen. 
Paul is, is traveling and uh, he finds a young boy about 15 years old by the name of Timothy. And he takes Timothy with him and mentors him. And when Timothy is about 30 years old, he leaves him in the city of Ephesus to pastor a church. And Timothy writes Paul a letter because of some problems. And Paul writes him back. And I want you to listen. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. Here was a young man who was brought out without a father figure in his home. And, and Paul took him and really became, in a sense, a father figure to him. But notice the faith that's in him, he says, was first in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice. And that faith is now in you. You see, you can pass your faith on to your children. And don't think just because there's not a man that it's hopeless because it's not. But a father needs to influence the home in the right way. And what God said about Abraham, that he was going to command them in the way of the Lord, in the way of the Lord. Now, I, I love sports. I love hunting. I love fishing I, and a bunch of other things that I, I love to do that are sports. Um, but whether, whether you're golfing or basketball or whatever your thing is, that's all great. And family time is great. But you need to put the kingdom of God first. And any time that anything takes the place of the kingdom, we are not being the right influence that we should be. And we're saying to our kids, you know, on nice days, you just put sports first. You put family first. You put fun first. No, you need to put the kingdom of God first. And all of those things are good, but you just need to remember this right after church. This is that simple. Right after church. Now, we're, we're going to even go to the early service so we can go out, but it's going to be after church. Why? Because we're going to seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. And a father needs to be a spiritual protector. You know, you need to pray. You need to worship. You need to put God first. You need to be an example to your family. You need to bless your family. I, I, I love what it says about David. David had taken the ark of the covenant and brought it to Jerusalem. And he had set up a tent. And this was the only time when anyone could go into God's presence. There's just this huge tent. The tabernacles that were built, the tents, the temples, they all had a small compartment where the Ark of the Covenant was, God's presence. But in David's tent, it was just one big room. And everybody was there worshiping 24 hours a day. They had worship. And you could just go right into God's presence. And David brought that ark and put it in that temp and he, tent and he worshiped. And it says after he worshiped, he went home to bless his house. He went home to bless his house. Worship first and then bless your family. Speak future oriented, positive words about your family. Just tell your kids, you're going to be great. You're an overcomer. You know, you've got a great heart. You know, you're gifted. You know, the Bible says train up a child in the way you should go in keeping with their individual gift or bent. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. You know, every one of our children are different. How many of you have noticed that? They're, 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 they're all part of your family, but they've got a different gift or a different bent. That's why you love every child the same, but you don't do the same thing with every child. 
because each one has their own individual gift and bent. And as a parent, we discern that and then we help them move in that direction. Now, when Jesus is water baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible says he comes up out of the water and suddenly a voice came from heaven. Now, now let me take a, a, a moment here and, and go down a rabbit trail. Jesus walked 60 miles to be water baptized, 30 miles each way. And he did it because it's an important thing. Now, in the Old Testament, the type is this. They come out of Egypt. They've just partaken of the Passover lamb. And when they do, they escape Egypt with a type of the world. And they come out. But they aren't delivered until they go through the Red Sea, which is a type of water baptism. Sometimes we have believers, they're saved, they've come out of Egypt, but they're still got a lot of the junk of this world with them, and you don't get delivered until you go through the Red Sea, that's water baptism. And if you haven't been baptized since you believed, it is important. It is not just some spiritual ritual. There is a dynamic spiritual anointing and power of God present at water baptism to deliver you. This is what Moses said. Your enemies that you have seen in the past, you will never see them again forever. And they get drowned in the sea. They cannot pass through. So water baptism is important. Jesus gives us the example of being baptized. And he comes up out of the water and a voice comes from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice he says, my relationship, beloved, affection, love, well pleased, affirmation. Those are the things that every child needs from their father. They need relationship, they need affection, and they need affirmation. Every child needs that from you. And God spoke that to Jesus as he came up out of the water. That, that affirmation that they need. Uh, particularly, you, how many of you realize men, grown men, are just little boys in big bodies? It's true. They're just little boys in big bodies. And uh, the Bible actually tells us that a man's greatest need his greatest need is honor. It's, it's that affirmation. Uh, a survey was done of men. Would you rather <laughs> be, receive honor or love? Which would you rather do without in your life? Over 90% of the men said, I can do without love, but I need respect. I need honor. I need honor. And, and because boys are just little men, as they, as they begin to grow, that, that becomes their need. And uh, we have three sons, and then our youngest is a daughter. And uh, as we were raising our kids, Jeannie just was getting really frustrated with the boys. And, and the truth was they were getting frustrated with her. Because she would tell them what she wanted done, and then she would tell them exactly how to do it in the most minute detail. And they were just getting frustrated. The boys were. They were just getting frustrated. And, and I said to her, I said, look, just tell them what you want done and don't tell them how to do it. And then when they have done it, tell them, wow, 
That's great. I'm proud of you. So she tried that. And it was just like day and night difference. The little boy's like, I'm the man. I'm the man. You know what they wanted? They just wanted some, some affirmation. They wanted to be honored. They wanted to hear, boy, I'm proud of you. A little girl, more than anything else, wants to hear, I love you. But a little boy wants to hear, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. So there's relationship, there's affection, and there's that affirmation. Uh, Dr. Dobson said this. He said, for every corrective statement or negative statement you make to your children, you need to make seven positive statements. Seven. I remember the first time I went to Israel, 35, 36 years ago. We spent a, a Shabbat, a Friday night dinner with a Jewish family, Orthodox Jewish family. After the meal, the children would line up, and, and we do this every year now, that we, every time we go. And uh, I think I've been at Shmuel's, Rabbi Shmuel's house six times and seen them do this. But the kids just line up. And after the meal, the father will place his hands on the children. Now, I remember your, your Bible says, Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. And he laid his hands on them and blessed them. You know, and we just watch as the, 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 uh, the, the man of the house would just lay his hands on those children and speak a blessing over each and every one of those children. It is so very powerful. In Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible tells us, this is New Testament, that one of the foundational doctrines of Christianity is the laying on of hands. I'm telling you, we need to do some more of this. We need to start laying hands on our children and blessing them, laying hands on someone. Jesus said they'll lay hands on the sick. It's something that, that so many of us have completely forgotten. But we need to be positive and speak those words of affirmation. Not you can't do anything right. Hey, you're going to end up in prison. You are such, you, you, you got, you're so rebellious. It's been a while, but I read that 90% of men in prison were told by their parents they would end up in prison. 90%. You know, your positive words of affirmation are so, so powerful. God has a plan for you. I, I love you. I think you're great. You know, you are so tedious in what you do. You do such a good job. I'm so proud of all the effort that you put into what you're doing. You know, it helps build their self-esteem. And as parents, be pliable. Don't be rigid. Uh, I know growing up... Um, that was not the case at my house. You know, when I misbehave and my mom punished me, it was no big deal. But when she said, wait, uh, wait till your father gets home, that was bad. That was like, oh, 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 I'm in trouble. But we can be so rigid that we don't give our kids room to grow. So me parents, listen to this. The goal is they grow up and leave. Before they're 28. <laughs> they grow up and they leave. But, but for that to happen, what we are supposed to do is we are supposed to prepare them first when they're very young by making the right decisions for them, teaching them to make right decisions. 
But then as they get older, we let them make those decisions. And what sometimes happens is this. We treat a 16-year-old like they're nine. See, and you've got to begin to release those children. Now, and the better your relationship, the fewer rules you have to have. But in Ephesians 6 and 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, notice it says, don't provoke them to wrath. And, and there's really mainly four things that provoke a child to wrath. And here's how it shows up. It always shows up as rebellion. That's how it shows up. Rebellion. The first one is simply to punish in anger. In fact, the Bible talks about correction and about discipline, but not about punishing a child. You discipline a child. You're, you're making them a disciple. You're teaching them. You are not doing this because you're mad. You're not doing this to make them pay. You're doing this to correct them, to show them the right way to go. You never, never strike a child in anger, ever. Second way, if we already talked about it, you don't release them. As they, as they get older, they need to have more responsibility. Then comparison. You know, again, every child's different. And you don't compare your children. You love everyone the same. Again, they'll do different things with them, but you don't go, I just, you, you should be more like your brother. You should be more like your sister. No, you don't compare your children. And then lastly, it's hypocrisy. It's simply saying one thing, but doing something else. In Deuteronomy 6, where God is speaking to parents, he said, but the words that I command you today shall be in your heart. Remember this, you can tell people what you know, but you reproduce what you are. You can tell them what you know, but you reproduce what you are. And so God says, first of all, he said, you can't communicate your faith if it's not in your heart. He said, what I'm commanding you today, it needs to be in you. He says, and then you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And they shall... And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you'll write them on your refrigerator and on the mirror in the bathroom. At least that's what it is in my house. But notice, it's got to be in your heart. And then you teach them diligently to your children. You give them moral and spiritual boundaries. As a parent, here's, here's a big mistake that we sometimes make. We want to be kids' friends. They don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their parent. And if you will be their parent today, when they grow up, they'll be your friends. But as a parent, you don't need to participate in everything they're doing. You need to give them moral and spiritual boundaries. Don't think, well, I've just got to let everything go and I've got to understand everything they're going through. No, when they're moving in the wrong direction, you make sure that you, you say, look, that's not the way to go. Here's what the Word of God says. So give them moral and spiritual boundaries. And again, don't put anything before the kingdom of God. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When Joshua is 110 years old, he gets all Israel together. And this is what he says. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, culture's going in a different direction. 
The neighbors are going in a different direction. Maybe some friends are going in a different direction. But he says, but as for me and my house, we're putting God first and we're going to serve the Lord. You know, when you do that, when you make that commitment, that is a commitment that God is going to help you honor. And it is going to help you transfer the faith that is in your heart to your children. We, we live in a society today that we, we have a picture of what manhood is that is not a biblical picture of manhood. You know, the perfect man, the perfect example of a man is Jesus, not Iron Man, not John Wayne. Jesus is the perfect example. Not I can do it all myself. So I, I had it all handled. Uh, in fact, in Proverbs 20, verse five, it says counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You know, we, we live in a society where everybody wants to act like they know everything. They don't need any help from anybody. When Jeannie and I lived in Mexico, and this was a cultural thing, but people did not want to admit they didn't know. We know something and we didn't know that when we moved there. So I remember we were looking for the hardware store and I went up to a guy and I said, where's the hardware store? He says, go three blocks that way, turn right and it's right there. So we went three blocks, turned right, no hardware store. So I asked somebody else. They said, oh, go four blocks over here and turn left and it's right there. So we went four blocks, turn left, no hardware store. And I asked somebody else. And they said, I said, Where, where's the hardware store? And they said, oh, it's just two blocks over here and then two blocks to the right and it's there. We went there, no hardware store. Here's what we found out. Nobody would tell you they didn't know. Nobody wanted to admit they were ignorant. And some of us, we're like that. We're just like, I just know everything. I, I, I want to tell you something. I think I know maybe less than 1% one per, one, one of 1% of what I need to know. We need help. So the Bible says that counsel in the heart of the man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. This is what it means. The person that knows is probably not going to go around just spouting out. But if you're hungry and you ask, they will gladly tell you. You, you need to have some people that have farther down the road in marriage, in finances, in their job, in different areas that you can go to and you can say, hey, how do I get better? How can I improve? We need to have people like that. We need to have enough hunger to ask some questions. I think everybody knows about King David. You know, he's the shepherd boy, 15 years old, and he goes and fights a giant by the name of Goliath, about 10 foot tall, and ends up killing that guy with nothing but a sling and a stone. We all know about Goliath and all of us guys, hey, we're like David. We can handle that giant. We can take care of him. And there's days when you will kill Goliath. But how many of you know about the giant that David could not kill? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, ten. Let me read to you about this. Then Ishbibinab who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. David, was got, David got tired in the fight. And that giant noticed it. And he moved on David and would have killed David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. So here's what I want to say to you. 
There are Goliaths. There's days that you will kill the giant. But there are days that if you're all alone, the giant will kill you. Everybody has giant killing days. But everybody has days when if you are alone and you have nobody to help you, nobody to speak to you, nobody to pray with you, you don't have any faith friends, that giant will kill you. And, and you know, we, we want to be that macho. We, we got it all together. But you weren't made to live life alone. I mean, you were created for relationship. And again, that's why the Bible tells us over 30 times in the New Testament to pray for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to forgive one another and 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 one another. And men, women, we need faith filled friends. We need people that are going to help us when an HBB knob shows up and we get tired in the fight and that giant would kill us. But if you've got some faith friends, they're going to step in and they're going to take that giant out with you. Don't try to live your life alone because you were created for relationship. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.